when the people thought that the disciples were drunk because they were speaking in many different tongues, and then Peter reminded them of what the prophet Joel spoke of, saying, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit for us can, we, we vaguely, we see vaguely about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we unintentionally refer to the Holy Spirit as it. May, may, may it guide us. As if he is a sort of function of God, but versus being a person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father is God. The Son is God. And so, of course, the Holy Spirit is God, and I want to reflect on who is the Holy Spirit, how do I interact with Him, and I will try to focus maybe on three things, or maybe two and a half, depending on time. But one is the Holy Spirit is the giver of gifts. Number two is And three is that the Holy Spirit is our inspiration for generosity. In the Pauline epistle, St. Paul spoke to us about what the Holy Spirit does. And he distributes gifts to all people, and as he said, as he wills. To know why the Holy Spirit distributes some here and more there, we will find that out when we die. But until then, the giver of gifts gives to each of according to his, his will. But it's not in a sort of dictatorial way in, in which we have no say as to what gifts we ask or that God grants to us. Because he said, St. Paul, he said the very last verse that we read in the Pauline epistle is that, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Pray for the gift. Pray for gifts. So we are to ask for the Holy Spirit for these gifts, to desire them with good intentions, to desire gifts that are meant to be used according to His will. And there are many gifts of the Holy Spirit which, of course, we wish to attain in this life. Maybe self-control in order to stop something, maybe smoking or something, or maybe faithfulness to defeat laziness, maybe peace to overcome curiosity, or joy to conquer anger, and so forth. All of the all of the fruits that we know of the Holy Spirit, we seek to attain these fruits. And we seek to attain the gifts that, that help to produce these fruits. But many times we try to systematize the fruits. And we say, okay, do this and that, and then you will have peace or joy. And it is true that the scriptures sometimes guides us to attain some of these gifts. Um, but sometimes, uh, and of course many holy people who, who guide us, and the Holy Spirit has inspired, you know, professionals and so forth to establish some of these steps. But there are two things that are required outside of this, out of, outside of the systemiz systemization of, uh, of attaining spiritual gifts. And the two are one, to call upon the Holy Spirit. And the second is to surrender to the Holy Spirit. And we see this in the liturgy, because when, when a Buna bows down before that bows down before the altar during the liturgy, right before he says, This bread he makes into his holy body, he calls upon the Holy Spirit to come upon not just the bread and the wine, but he says, Come upon us, come upon us and these gifts. So there is this sort of requirement that I must call upon the Holy Spirit to do something. 
And then the intro to the fraction, Abuna says, For he has made us all worthy now. Do you remember? For he has made us all worthy now to stand in this holy place to what? Lift up our hands and to serve his holy name. Let us also ask him to make us worthy of the communion and partaking of his divine and immortal mysteries. Immortal mysteries, it's not just about the Eucharist. We are, we are uh, participating with, with all the divine and immortal mysteries, even the work of the Holy Spirit, because, again, the priest has invoked the Holy Spirit to come upon us. So there is the lifting up of our hands. And to lift up our hands is to say, I am unworthy, make me worthy, I surrender. We lift up our hands as, as a gesture of kind of like a, like a prisoner, right? A prisoner uh, you know, lifts his hands to say like, okay, I, I'm not going to make any move. And in order for God to be generous, in order for the Holy Spirit to be generous, generous with us, especially while we have free will that He won't impose Himself upon, it requires me to surrender. So it's so lifting up of our hands is to, is to say that we walk with our hands up and we are here. We will do what the Holy Spirit seeks to do with us. And I must decide that at first. It is like if I am struggling. You know, with anger, and my family tells me you need to go. You need to go get counseling. If I haven't called, if I haven't called upon the Holy Spirit to sanctify me and to lift my hands and to say I have surrendered, meaning that I have made a conscious decision to say that I am done with this problem, then the counseling will be fruitless. Otherwise, again, we systematize the the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We say, as long as you do this, you will be fine. But what can, how can any of us be fine without invoking the Holy Spirit to come upon us? Or if we ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do? I seek your will in this situation. I seek, I need to make this decision, and I and I need, I need to know what your will is for me in this. And we we say them, but do we do we surrender ourselves in that? Do we say, do we try to sort of, you know, subtly manipulate, you know, the path that we subconsciously really want, or we know, and we sort of manipulate our way to, to that, you know, maybe it's a job opportunity, or whatever it is. But if I have something presented to me, there has to come a time in which I say that truly I seek that the Holy Spirit guides me, that I will lift my hands and say, I surrender. I'm just going to sort of I'm just going to sort of wait until that there is a clear guidance from the Holy Spirit. And in these moments of vulnerability, when our hands are lifted up, the Holy Spirit's generosity, generosity will exceed human understanding. The second is that the Holy Spirit is the guide to Jesus Christ. When I surrender and the Holy Spirit and his, in His generosity bestows upon me gifts, who do those gifts lead to? As I said about the prisoner, imagine that the officer will see that I surrender. And then he sort of says, and, and I say, I need help. By surrendering, I say, I need help. And then the officer will say, okay, I will, I will now take you to the 
general. I will take you to Jesus Christ, who will take care of you. And in today's Gospel reading, we read, And when He, the Holy Spirit, has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So, so the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin because humanity will, will doubt in God because it's more pleasurable to live in sin. So he will convict us of our sin. He will convict us of righteousness because Christ, he told the disciples that they will be strengthened because I was present among you. And so the, this conviction of righteousness will be a reminder to us that the effects of Christ's life continues till today, continues eternally. And of judgment to remind humanity that Satan and his army are under a real and eternal judgment. And that's why he says, for judgment for the prince of the world, uh, for the ruler of this world is judged. So it's a reminder that there is a true and real judgment. It's not a, it's not trickery or, you know, I'll tell you this, but do your best. He's saying, life without me, you're dead. And so he, he's forcing us to be confronted with this reality of my own judgment. And it's sort of like, you know, when you drive down the highway and you're, you're, you're rushing at whatever, 80 miles an hour, then you see a, a cop. And what happens? Your heart starts to beat. You start to, your head 10 and 2. If you're on Bluetooth, you stop talking to the person and you just have, your, your attention is, is straight ahead. You start to suddenly press the brakes, right? Because if you slam on the brakes, the cop is going to know that you were speeding and that you're admitting to your speeding. So I do all of these things whenever I see the officer and, uh, you know, and I'm checking for like another good minute to see in my rearview mirror if the, if the cop is, is, gonna, is coming to chase me or not. The Holy Spirit notices. The cop may not notice, but the Holy Spirit always notices because he's inside of us. But he's more merciful than the highway patrol cops, that's for sure. But the reality is, is that he is very much present, he is very much aware and He is there to guide us, not to condemn us, but to guide us. And who does He guide us to? He guides us to Jesus Christ. He, he guides us to Jesus Christ because He is the one who defeated sin. He is the one who is the manifestation of righteousness, and He is the just judge. And all who are brought to Him by the Holy Spirit will be given life. We read in John chapter 14, But the Helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. If the Holy Spirit tells me or you to do something that opposes what Christ has given us, it is not the Holy Spirit. He only teaches Jesus Christ. Only. And not only does He teach Jesus Christ. He is the only way that one can even come to know Jesus Christ. Because we read... Today, uh, today we read, He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that He will take of mine and declare it to you. And in the Pauline epistle today we read, 
and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, I cannot know Jesus. With the Holy Spirit, I will only come to know Jesus. And if I am not led to Jesus, it is not the Holy Spirit. And this is why, I was having a conversation recently about this, about, about infant baptism. And I, as I reflected this week, I found that this is why infant baptism for us is a must. Because it is a serious matter. That the Holy Spirit is the teacher. How could anyone say that I will wait until my child accepts Jesus before they receive the Holy Spirit? Then it becomes counterintuitive. We try to teach our children to eat healthy, even if we force it upon them. That they will eat veggies and that they will be limited on their sweets. And eventually it will become their choice, whether or not they choose to keep that way or not. And if they do, they will have their reward, and if they don't, then of course they will suffer. This way they don't come to you later on and say, how could you have neglected my health? How could you have, have allowed me to eat McDonald's every day and allow me to eat such terrible things? Look at my health now. If we want to say that the Holy Spirit is imposed on, on people, sure, then let's say that it's imposed on our children to receive the Holy Spirit so that they may come to know Jesus Christ because without the Holy Spirit they cannot come to know Jesus Christ. We impose it on them as children to take in them the Holy Spirit and the mysteries of Christ. So also that they and God don't come to us later and say, how could you have neglected my spirit? How could you have allowed my hu the human conscience to take precedence over God's? And look at my spirit now. And what is more important? Broccoli or the spirit of God? And the Holy Spirit brings all, hum all humanity to Christ in order to live. The Holy Spirit is a prerequisite to having a relationship with Christ, and without that relationship we are dead. It is like a human that is out of the ocean, and the, and the body is immersed in the water, and just has their head above the water in order to survive. And we are all members of the body, right? St. Paul, he spoke to us about how we are all members. Some are the fingers, the feet, the arms, etc., the legs. And we are all drowning under the water. But the head of the body, the head of Christ, the head of the church, is above the water. And all the members that are under the water are kept alive because the air, the Holy Spirit, that is flowing between Christ, the head, and the body, and the members of the body, keeps the whole body alive. From our perspective, we are drowning. But because we are in Christ, and because it is the Holy Spirit that brings us to Christ, we remain alive, even if it's just the nostrils that are barely making it above the surface of the water. And the Holy Spirit is our inspiration for generosity. And because of time, I'll, I'll just sort of uh, reflect on that of course we know that generosity is not just about uh, that I that I give money to the poor or uh, you know or that I contribute monetarily in some way, but to be also generous in our time and in our kindness and in our knowledge and our experiences, to be generous in those things and. Um, 
when Jesus he told the disciples uh, Jesus when he told the disciples well first let me say that in our generosity in, in being inspired by the Holy Spirit to be generous we have, we have the gifts that he bestows upon us and sometimes we don't recognize these gifts and when we don't recognize these gifts, we sort of then say, okay, God, you take care, take care of them. So it's like if someone is, let's say someone is, is, is sick, okay, and we, you know, we, we say, okay, God, please heal the person. But are there not gifts that, are, that can happen in between that we can do? And this is where our generosity comes in, is where the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, that we are called to, to take that, to take that generosity, which is out of love, and and have that love and put it into action and into motion. Generosity is love putting put into motion or into action. So he calls us for us to be generous. And I heard a nice reflection about how why Jesus when the when the children came to him and told the disciples, don't stop the children from coming to me. Why is it that, uh, that he said that with, unless we are like them, we cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven? It's because of, because of their generosity. Um, like we had mentioned before that Part of our part of receiving God's generosity is to surrender. A toddler for five seconds will act like they know what they're doing and they can do everything. But within a millisecond, they have no problem saying, uh, Mama, Baba, can you please can you come? They have no problem doing that. So for them to receive generosity is very easy. Because even though for a moment they experience a sense of pride, they're willing to lift their hands and to say, I surrender, I am in need of generosity. And at the same time, when they give, they give generously. You know, I remember when we were in the Dow building, uh, when we were fundraising, you know, for the new building, God willing, we'll move in before the second coming, but when we, when we were fundraising for the, for the new building, there were children who came up to Abuna and I and said, here's, here's money for the building. From their, from their own piggy bank, their own treasure chest, whatever you want to call it, and I'm not talking about $3 or $4, I'm talking about a few hundred dollars. So I said, that's, your, that's how much your parents, <laughs> that's a good allowance to have. But, but they give generously. They have no problem doing that. With saying, I want to I give to that because I'm happy with that, take it all. So when they, are, so when they receive, they receive surrendering and are capable of, of taking all of the generous uh, gifts that God gives them, and when they are ready to be generous, they give everything. They don't have what we have, which is that we sort of, like, we sort of calculate. 
okay, I can give this because I have to remember I have my property taxes and I have this and I have to account for this and this. They don't have that. They have that innocence of that everything, everything can go to this. So we of course ask that the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to grant us all heavenly gifts, to lead us to Christ, and to share in his generosity. To him be the glory both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen.